Hi, I'm Craig Williams, and this is Beyond the Tassel. Each week, I discuss best practices regarding the plans and intentional choices of high school seniors beyond their upcoming graduation, as well as the year or two that follows. I call this the post-secondary transition phase, and it's a really important part of life. You know, we've come through infancy and toddlerhood, childhood, adolescence, and young adulthood at this point, and each and every one of us is made up of uniquely individual characteristics and experiences, which all give shape to who we are, and hopefully each of us will plot a path forward that best aligns with our interests, aptitudes, and our unique capabilities. Now, the post-secondary transition is no one-size-fits-all program. No, there are those who will serve our nation by enlisting in the military, and there are those who will join a family business or a family farm right out of high school. There are those who will head off to a trade school and enter the world of work soon after school, while some will move directly into shift work, freelance work, or even start their own business right out of high school. But the majority of high school seniors will be heading off to college after they complete high school. In fact, in rural America, the statistics show that about 68% of students will do so, with nearly 45% choosing a four-year college or university, and about 23% choosing to attend a community college, usually one within about 30 miles of their home. Now, there isn't a bad option among these post-secondary intentions. In fact, there really is only bad fit, which also leaves us with good fit. And the idea that we have this continuum from good fit to bad fit suggests that with a little thought and some exploratory effort, we can reasonably expect to land in what others have called the Goldilocks zone. That's the just right zone. Now, those who've been with me for a while on our podcast will recall that while I am a huge advocate for post-secondary education today, there was a time in my life when it was not very important to me at all. So there is also a timing piece to this puzzle. To all things, their season, right? Now, at 18, I was deeply engrossed in building my own business, which I did. But as I grew older, college became very, very important to me. And so I made it a priority. I made it happen. And today, I'd like to talk with you about finding our dominant path. You know, what colleges and universities refer to as declaring your major. But finding your dominant path isn't just about college. You can apply many of these ideas to a non-college trajectory as well. The work of author and researcher Simon Sinek in his Start With Why book series has been called among the most important guidance a person can seek because finding fit in all your life paths is so crucial to finding happiness and fulfillment. You know, Sinek helps his readers identify their most authentic drivers and from there helps them better understand how their engagements can fulfill their most genuine needs and desires professionally, personally, intellectually, socially, and spiritually. It's a fairly deep topic, so let's dive in. Okay, so the first thing I want to do here is share a brief story that will hopefully give clarity to my own post-secondary choice and uncover why it made perfect sense for me at the time, but why my later choice to pursue a college degree also made perfect sense. From there, I'll examine more broadly the steps we can all apply as we chart our own post-secondary course, up to and including our college major. So now, at the age of nine, I picked up an interest in taking pictures, and I never really put it down. 
By age 10, I had my own darkroom. By 11, I'd used my own paper route money to buy a really nice 35mm camera. And by age 13, I was entering and winning photo contests on the regular. I mean, it was my thing. I spent the next three years absorbed by my love of photography, completely determined to attend college to study photography, imagining myself working in the field as maybe a fashion or an entertainment photographer, and spending the balance of my time as a fine art photographer, perhaps showing my work in galleries. Seems pretty clear, right? At 16, I'm definitely going to be a photography major in college. But later that same year, I lose my father, who unexpectedly dies at 48. He was the major support behind my interest in photography. I inherit all of his equipment, and with his equipment, at age 17, I start a portrait and wedding photography studio. Now, it was a very different kind of photography than than that which had interested me to that point, but somehow, I was drawn to it. Maybe it was his sudden absence. Maybe it was my need for gas money. I don't know. But I started a business. And it was actually semi-successful. I mean, I eked out enough money to pay for gas and a few other urgencies of teen life, but most importantly, because I had a legit business with a tax return and all the rest, I landed on the mailing lists of all kinds of vendors who wanted to sell me stuff. And one of those vendors who wanted to sell me stuff was a company that sold recorded motivational and instructional audio tapes. This was kind of a precursor to the things we all take for granted today as streamable content. And one of those sets of audio tapes I decided to purchase featured a man named Earl Nightingale, who spoke about the things that my father might have spoken with me about had he lived as I turned 18 and then 19 years old. Now, I had also purchased a course on selling and salesmanship, which had a profound influence on me. By then, I had become very comfortable with the idea of self-employment. We didn't call it entrepreneurship so much back then. We just called it being self-employed. And so I recruited a friend of mine to start another business with me, a t-shirt printing company this time. And we spent the next decade putting firm foundations under that idea. So for me, college didn't happen on the normal schedule. And it made perfect sense that it didn't. My experience in photography and my friend's experience in production and graphic arts enabled us to do things with the screen printing process we would not have been able to easily do if we didn't have that collective experience. Now, my foray into the portrait and wedding photography business, while it may not have been my thing ultimately, it whetted my appetite for business building. And as the son of innkeepers, I had already seen self-employment modeled by my parents. So for me, the post-secondary path unfolded as it almost certainly should have. Under my unique set of circumstances, it was just right. But for you? Well, you've got to sort that all out for yourself. Do you have a passionate interest in music, art, engineering, math? Maybe animals are your thing. Cooking, writing, or something else entirely. Do you like working with your hands? Are you into technology, politics? Does business turn your crank? Or Are you more into helping people solve their own problems, emotionally, socially, or psychologically? Have you cultivated an interest in the outdoors, maybe through camping or hunting or fishing? Might you make that into your life's work or a career? Do you imagine a life lived near your hometown? Or are you anxious to see the world beyond your county limits? Maybe you have a desire to live in a city, even though maybe you didn't grow up in one. These are all helpful things to ponder as you lay out your path. Now, 
As you consider your next steps from a practical perspective, it would be helpful to also give consideration to things you definitely know yourself not to be. For example, which subjects in school created the most negative anxiety for you? I wasn't much of a math student myself, but I absolutely loved biology. I could very easily have seen myself taking a a route toward becoming a doctor or some kind of a healthcare worker. It just didn't happen that way for me. But for you, this is your choice. You can decide. But you can put your own list together. Try listing those classes you really enjoyed on one side of a sheet of paper and those you really didn't love so much on the other. Look at both lists and consider what they may be telling you. What are the common threads between your loves and your love-me-nots in the context of a potential life path? This is something your guidance counselor may be able to help you with, but you can also jump online and do some Googling for careers most associated with those classes you really enjoyed. Now, one important caveat here I'd like to share is a little pushback on this idea that we're supposed to know what we want to do with the rest of our lives at 17, 18, or 19. All right, I'm just here to say we're not supposed to know, okay? That's just nuts. As I've said before in other episodes, exploration is an ongoing process, and it is absolutely high on my list of recommended activities for someone considering next steps beyond high school. Assuming you're headed to college, you'll have time once you've started classes to explore further before declaring a major. You know, many students know what they want to do. They know what they want to pursue, like say, I don't know, speech pathology or or maybe nursing, or architecture, or engineering. But a lot of students just have no idea, and that's fine. Depending on your school, declarations of majors are generally not expected until at least the completion of your first year, and very often not until the completion of your second year. Your exploration can and really should include a lot of online research, but it also should include talking with people, lots of people, You can reach out to recent graduates of your wish list colleges. You can talk to parents of high school friends. Talk with other family friends and professionals like veterinarians or doctors, accountants, attorneys. Talk to the contractors in your neighborhood or in your small town or in your city. Talk to engineers, architects, law enforcement folks, pharmacists, and and more. I mean, don't stop there. Talk to anybody you can about the kind of work they're involved in and ask them how they feel about it. Ask them how they got started in it. Ask them if they love it. People are generally very happy to experience share with these kinds of things. You can also attend nearby college or career fairs, as well as do some volunteer work or even an internship to sharpen your insights. See, it's really important that you weigh your options. But first, you got to understand your options. So you got to do your homework. Now, once you declare your college major, your schedule of courses will begin to more closely conform to that area of interest. But if you feel like you've made a wrong turn and you need to re-examine the declaration of your major, don't worry, it happens. In fact, most college students change majors at least once, and some a couple of times, or more. (laughs) Also, if you've got the ambition to do so and the stamina to see it through, you might consider a double major, which will almost always increase your class load and reduce your social freedoms, but it will hone you into a more versatile graduate. Now, some schools present students with the option to minor in a subject, which, again, is a reflection of some interest you might have. 
but with an accordingly lower associated workload attached. Now, as you consider your major, it can be helpful, but seldom critical, to what you may choose to do as a grad student. Now, after you earn your four-year degree, usually a Bachelor of Arts or a Bachelor of Science degree, you may want to acquire additional education and expertise by going for a master's degree, a doctorate, or a professional degree, such as a JD, a designation many interested in practicing law will pursue, or an MD, which is, of course, a medical degree. Now, because of the very demanding nature of the Medical College Admission Test, or MCAT, most students intending to pursue a career in medicine will want to declare a major as early as possible that will enable them to take coursework and do the labs that will prepare them for this critically important admissions exam. The same may be said of the LSAT, which is the law school admission test. However, the legal professions arguably do not have quite the specificity of knowledge that the medical fields tend to have. Many English, history, philosophy, or political science majors traditionally head on to law school very successfully. So as you consider your major, consider too the general idea of how our lives lay out before us. Now what I mean by this is the nature of time and how we prioritize it. There are those with more money than others, but no person is in possession of more hours in any given day than anyone else. That said, I think it's worth considering how you want to spend yours. How do you want to spend your time? There is a school of thought that says that money can buy certain freedoms that equate to more time doing what we love. And there may be some truth to that. There's also a school of thought that says those who love what they do will never work a day in their life. The presumption being that they so enjoy their work that they can't really call it work, but instead just another portion of their otherwise well-chosen day. I have a friend, Dan Curran, who is a very wise father of four and a consummate entrepreneur, active in the tech and creative spaces, who's fond of saying that while it is true that life is short, it is also true that life is very long. And because of this, we owe it to ourselves to make sure we spend it in a way that brings us joy. Ultimately, you'll have to decide how much financial security you'll require and how much internal joy and personal fulfillment you'll be willing to surrender for that security. At the end of the day, as with most things, there is a bit of give and take required to solve this equation. But whatever path you choose now, on the precipice of your post-secondary launch, I encourage you to continue exploring and considering how that path fits your journey as your priorities shift throughout your very long life. That's it for this week. Next week, I'll discuss the importance of finding programmatic strengths in the institutions you place on your wish list. You know, students will too often pull out the U.S. News and World Report and they'll check the overall rankings. They'll set their sights on a particular school with little regard to the strength of the department they hope to leverage through their likely major. There's more here than meets the eye. It'll be fun chasing it all down. Until then, I'm Craig Williams for Beyond the Tassel. Listen, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay engaged in your own amazing journey.